to Speak Your Mind, the podcast with Carla Peva. Today we will be speaking with a special guest, Melissa Wrightcon. She will be sharing her story with us. Welcome, Melissa. Tell us your story and how it started. Thank you, Carla. Yes, yeah, so... How it all started was in Yorkshire, which is in the north of England. It's a very friendly place where everybody chats to everybody on the street. And I remember being there when I was about three years old in the nursery. And then shortly after, my mum moved to the southwest of England, to the countryside, away from the very industrial heart of the north, um, mm-hmm. to yeah, to the Somerset Hills. And there was born a whole new chapter of my life where I had the school. Um, the school times were with my mother and the holidays were with my father. So there was a very, very bitter divorce. And that at the time didn't affect me or at least I didn't say that it did and I grew up being hard as nails that nothing affected me and it was really only in the last 10 years that I've started to take those walls down and and you know soften my heart and go you know what actually there is a hurting human being in here and that it's okay to not be okay yeah that sounds very um mature you know it's okay not to be okay yeah it took me uh, 30 years to get to that space (laughs) wow you know what we're all a work in progress so um wow that's amazing and then um i'm assuming at that point you're like um a teenager yeah, so, well, I was three when I moved down south and then, yeah, started school in, in Somerset. So that was from four. Um, and at that age, I developed lifelong friends. So my best friend, Karen, I met when I was four when I moved down to Somerset and we started school together. And, you know, that's been a real joy that amid the turmoil of what was going on with my parents, I actually had some really solid solid friendships and and that was really grounding for me and and gave me that stability really that I needed as a as a very young person um growing up teenage years I was I was a huge rebel basically I had all this anger and hurt inside that I'd never processed and you know I was I was angry with the world and I I got that out through heavy metal music, through extreme living with drink and drugs and kind of living really on the edge. Um, And eventually at 14, my mum said, you know, I can't control you. You've got to go and live with your dad. And I was sent for the last year of my school to live with my father. And it all worked out perfectly. My dad was the head of a school and I ended up going to his school, which he didn't actually want to happen. But... I didn't get oh, home wow. to school. That's interesting. I was like, Dad, I want to go to your school. I met some some people who went to my dad's school and they were like me and I got on so well and they're like, come to our school. So um, my dad said, I'm not sure you can handle it. And I said, I can handle it. Can you? <laughs> so wow. when I got a letter sent home for smoking, my dad said, send it in the post to her mother. <laughs> 
Oh so no, and you send it in a post to your mother? <laughs> but I had a great year with my dad, but it wasn't home home. So I moved back to my mum's and within weeks it had broken down again. And I left home then at 16 and I lived on, I lived initially with a, with my boyfriend at the time and I was doing my college, you know, 16 to 18, but I never went. I was living in terrible bedsits. I was doing drugs and, you know, I was a, I was a mess and I kept being asked to leave college because I wasn't turning up. Um, but somehow I just kept going. I said, I know, I totally understand. <laughs> I said, I hear you, but I will attend. And one of those meetings being asked to leave college, I think it was the second time, something really, really hit my heart. And it was a profound moment because the college director who was asking me to leave actually paid me one of the biggest compliments of my life. As I stood there and I owned it and I said, I agree with you, I totally hear you, I haven't been turning up, but I give you my word that I, I will and I will succeed because I had this call in my heart that somehow I'd pull it out the bag. He said to me how proud he was of me and that actually he hadn't heard anybody do that because usually when he asked people to leave, they would point fingers at all the other people who also hadn't been attending. But he said, you haven't done that, you've, you've owned it. And he said, that's really big of you. And, you know, I felt I really grew in that moment. I felt I really, I felt really great about myself. And that was a real turning point for me, being seen for the good that I had in my heart. So, yeah. So basically it's like, you know, be seen for actually how you're acting, right? Because normally you're so used to, um, people seeing that side of your rebellious and your That's negatives, it. but yet someone was actually able to see the positive in the negative situation That's right. where brought you kind of to the surface of the everything that was going on with you and kind of led you towards the right path. That's right. Yeah, I felt seen and I felt, I felt valued, um, which was something that I'd often felt was missing in my life um so yeah, yeah but they, they, go on no i was just gonna say interesting because uh, i guess you didn't get that validation through your parents yeah i i feel my dad did i feel my dad did and my mum did in her own way but the relationship was so broken down at the time that we didn't know how to connect we were just in in crisis with each other and i felt judged and she felt i was out of control and and it was all about control and you know i mean my mum and myself are the best of friends now but it took until i was 21 until we really had a, a we basically said sorry to each other and and had a really big cry and a big hug and since then we've we've holidayed together i I'm going next week for Easter. I go as often as I can now, and the relationship mm-hmm. has been amazing. That's lovely. Yeah, That's lovely. so I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to put her down. She absolutely did her best, but we did not see eye to eye, and I think there was a lot of misjudged blame from both sides, really. Yeah, and now, how, which tools did you use to overcome to remove yourself from that, you know, bad habits? 
uh, and well, then be able to uh, enter into the the good habits, the the good circle. Yeah, I mean that came much later for me. So at sixteen, I left home, and then at eighteen, I actually left left the country. I left to Greece. Um, and I spent three years on a Greek island um, and again my habits were bad at that time you know I was too involved in parties and drinking and and it took me until my 30s until I found coaching that I actually started to turn things around really for myself um, at that time so I, I managed I, I kind of flunked college but just about I've always been able and I can kind of get away with not studying and just about pull it out the bag <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and my years in Greece I my parents were in disarray you must come back to university and I came back just to do university to go back forever to Greece um, but it didn't work out like that I did my three years of a degree and then I didn't know which way to go so I left the country again to 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 Italy I lived there for a year teaching English but again I felt lost so the common theme throughout all this is just searching and searching for home whether that's my soul or whether that's because of the broken home as a young child I felt that I couldn't find where I belonged and what was happening was that I was searching outside of myself maybe it's this country maybe it's this party maybe it's this person you know maybe it's this next drink whatever it is it's like searching for that fulfillment that satisfaction um and so eventually in 2012 so coming up 10 years ago now i had a bike accident that changed my whole entire life um i was thrown up onto the bonnet of the car landed by the wheel just literally like inches from my head and wow. this shook my whole core of my being and it was the journey within that I had always needed to make in my life but I had never had the courage to do. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, that it's funny that you kept saying you search outside yeah. and you kept missing the fact that everything was within you. That's but then it. this accident had to occur in order for you to understand that what you're seeking is really you. It's Absolutely. within you. That's it in a nutshell. That's exactly it. I basically lost all sense of who I was, my whole being fragmented. There was nothing else I could do than journey within. And the timing, of course, exquisite divine timing. I just found coaching. Um, I'd been training for about a year as a coach and I just started my um, certification of a really intense um, one of the best coaching schools in the world and I'd, I'd really gone to the next level of training and part of the training was having to have your own certified coach and so there was this incredible time of of being coached through this journey within as my whole, my whole world was fragmented and I was literally piecing my inner world back together piece by piece of beliefs. And I remember the day, because I became at times agoraphobic, 
that I really struggled to go out and I'd always been life and soul of the party though I realised I had been wearing a lot of masks. That was my role, mm -hmm. I was the party raiser um, until I wasn't, until I learned that it's okay to not be okay and show up differently. It took a lot of courage. Um, but yes, I, I went to a shoe shop and I saw these amazing colourful shoes and I bought them, I looked at them and remembered, oh, I'm fun. I remember that I'm fun. I'm going to buy these shoes and these are going to be a symbol that I am fun and I'm going to reintroduce that belief inside of myself. And it was literally at that level of total deconstruction of self and then placing beliefs back inside of myself that I put myself back together. Wow, and it's like you had to put yourself back together uh, physically, mentally, spiritually. It was like a whole thing on its own. Well, that's it. I mean, physically, I, I had issues you know I had a bad knock to the back and to the shoulder but I wasn't near death my near death was because it was a near death because of how I had had my head by the wheel it was mm -hmm. almost I felt like my this sounds a bit crazy but like my soul had somehow left my body like I saw myself on top of the car and it was so extreme this loss of self is probably the best way of describing it that I almost felt like I wanted to go and lay flowers by the roadside, by where I'd had this accident. And I, I've since had um, an acquaintance made some really rather unkind remarks about, Girl, you, it wasn't near death, what are you talking about? You know, you had a bad back and a bad shoulder. And, and I realised, gosh, I think they, I think until you've had that near death experience, people are judging it by this like physical injury. They don't understand about the fragmentation of being that happens when something shifts in your mind that that you have this notion of I, I think I'm going to die here and then you don't something shifts inside of you that is profound and is hard to describe really yeah until you go through the experience and you yeah. know exactly and you can actually resonate with the person that's it yeah I that's agree it. with that I mean, I, I had nightmares for years and years where, I, and they were really bad. And when I woke up, and it was always the same dream that I'd lost a ring and I'd wake up, but I wouldn't come straight out of this dream. But in the end, I mean, it, it, I haven't had this dream for years now. Eventually it, it ebbed away with all the healing work that I did. But it was almost like this loss of soul that I was then searching for. It was like, <gasps> I've lost like my my core it was like the the core of my being had gone and and that was what i had to piece back together so yes wow. i did all i could and I, you know i got back to work and and then i just felt that i was still not whole there was still something missing and i started a coaching business but i started to feel like i was living a lie that I was helping people create their best life, but I wasn't living mine. I felt I was still somehow living on the sidelines and and holding back and, and all of those things that I help clients with now that you're sort of a reserve on the bench rather than you're in the center field, you know? 
And yeah. one of my biggest values is authenticity. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't, I can't create a business where I'm helping people be the best they can be when I know that I'm not. So I basically sold everything I owned and got a one-way ticket to India. <laughs> oh, wow. Good for you. I just knew India was yeah. calling my name. I couldn't explain it. People are asking me, well, what are you going to do? You know, what, what do you want to see? You know, what's your itinerary? My mom was like, I didn't get around the world ticket. And I said, I don't have any plan. I said, I just know that I have to go. I could feel this call in the depths of my being that India was just calling my name. And it was just about values. I knew that I wanted soul and heart and sun and meaning and joy and rhythm and it was like these values that were calling me there was nothing else than those and it was just this this deep sinking into this trust in the divine that I have no plan I don't know where I will be but I am going to trust and I kept this prayer in my heart of just guide every footstep every decision guide me in each moment where I need to be and it was this incredible giving of self to be guided by the divine it was quite remarkable wow it's like as you I'm listening to your words it's like mind-blowing how free-spirited you are and how you just listen to that voice and you follow you don't yeah. know where it's leading you to but you know yeah. it's leading you to greatness and to something it. that it's beyond what you're thinking beyond what you're expecting it that's and it. that's like amazing that's amazing good for you <laughs> <laughs> good for you i love it i i love when um when people are just so fearless and they don't know where they're heading yeah. but they know whatever that is there's a reason why they're on that path that's it well a song that was so big for me at the time was um oh um art garfunkel and what was the uh, paul simon um i can't remember the name of the song but one of the lyrics is and i'm on my way i don't know where i'm going i'm on my way <laughs> and i just used to sing that over and over i'm on my way i don't know where i'm going but i'm on my way i'm going there <laughs> yeah yeah you know, I, I can totally this... understand <laughs> yeah it's like um you know sometimes i feel for myself like i'm rising Yes. And it's like I rise up and um, I will show up and rise. But and you're here for a purpose and for a reason. But I think um, a lot of people are on that journey where they don't know where to, but they're just taking one day at a time. And yes. whatever it comes, they go with the flow. That's it. Right. Yeah. Well, I've recently sort of realized about this. Um, you know, often what's under our own nose, we don't see so greatly. And it's a part of what I've really brought into my business about trusting your intuition. Because I think it's something we get so locked into our heads and trying to work it all out and, you know, make the perfect plan and all of this. And it's like, you know, I, I see that I am this perfect example of 
of that faith and that trust in the divine and that that following of the heart and how life just opens it enables life to just the universe to give you what it's wanting to give you when you're in that total receptive mode total receiving mode total open to to miracles and i'm a big believer in miracles and i've i've had all sorts of miracles in my life from from that point onwards and actually from before but profoundly from then on and i feel so blessed to be open to be a cracked open in that way by the accident to to really fully open to the divine and trust in the universe and and it's a never-ending process i don't always get it right sometimes i ebb from that we all do and coming back then to the heart to the center to the core of of this trust but knowing that we are always guided we are always looked after and you know we are always supported by god the universe source whatever you want to call it and if we can yeah. just you know let go and allow that guidance then then the miracles can come um so yes three weeks after landing in india i met my soulmate <laughs> amazing <laughs> and that was the most unexpected thing i met him by accident i went with the wrong person at station um that's um, funny it's almost like i'm watching a movie right now <laughs> i know it's like eat love pray your heart out <laughs> wow melissa that's funny it's almost like we're i'm watching a movie right now as you're uh, seeing you know, the wrong need, with the wrong person the okay <laughs> so yes i i got off a train and i had a hotel booked and you know people can trick you get any back to their hotels of course but this wasn't like that i just heard this word so my now husband said um rose villa and i was staying at sanjay villas and i just heard illa and i thought oh he must be my hotel pickup i remember the voice in my head like a slow motion and i just followed him and i said to him why didn't you ever check If I had a booking, so I didn't think it was weird that you just started following me. <laughs> I never thought to check. <laughs> and you know, got back to the hotel and half an hour later or 20 minutes later I get a text, "Where are you? We're waiting outside the station." I looked at her, I was like, "Where am I?" And <laughs> "Oh dear, I didn't know you had a pickup." He said, "Oh, I'll make you a chai and then I'll drop you." So we had a chai and and that was that. We've been married. It's coming up 6 years now. Um wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and you're then, you're a mom, right? Yeah, so that's been a miracle as well. So um yes, I was told I wouldn't be able to have children. Um I'd had two terrible miscarriages. Um and then i had all the tests at the fertility center well the recurrent miscarriage clinic actually and um and they said it's a miracle that your husband is even getting you pregnant and they said he must have super sperm because your numbers are you know you're you're basically in the perimenopause it's it's not going to happen for you and um and you know i was initially soul crushed and then i rose up like you say this rising and i set to to manifest that baby i did everything i danced imaginary around the room i painted pictures of myself pregnant i walked as though i was pregnant i bought a bauble for the tree i bought our initials i bought m for myself and c for my husband 
and B for baby. And I hung it on the tree ready for her arriving and she arrived the next year. <laughs> oh, wow. Extremely yeah. manifesting. <laughs> She's my proudest and greatest manifestation of all. Yeah. Wow. And how was that me. journey of, um, you know, becoming a mom? Oh, it's just been life changing. There's nothing else like it in life. And it's funny because I had a lot going on in my business. And just before I fell pregnant, I had a bit of a journey where I realized I was overworking. And then I also realized I had life on hold. And I'm a big believer in in following your joy. I always say to everybody, you've got to follow that which lights you up. Like the more you lift your energy, the more you'll attract your miracles. You have to keep following your joy. And I realized I kept saying things I wanted to do and thinking, oh, I better not sign up for that. Because if I am pregnant, I won't want to run that triathlon or do that yoga course or do that whatever it was. And so I, the, in the July, I, I quit things in my business I said I'm sorry I just know I need to draw in I need to have all my energy inside of myself right now so I pressed pause on the business I then signed up to everything I'd had on hold in the belief that I can always cancel them if I need to and two weeks later I was pregnant <laughs> oh wow it was incredible and I'm not gonna lie I was terrified the whole entire pregnancy but um you know just kept moving forwards with faith and trust and especially after miscarriages it's so hard um and even coming up to the birth i was i was terrified about the birth until i had her in my arms i just you know it, it was a never-ending cycle of trying to come back to faith and trust but it was really really tough um, yeah i think it was kind of like um because um your subconscious was still traumatized of the fact of what you were told previously how you couldn't have children and things like that and i think sub subconsciously yeah. it was kind of like um there Absolutely. it was mode but it was there and that's what caused that anxiousness of yes wanting to get through that phase and wanting to have the baby in your arms because then That's you it. felt okay it's safe now yeah and i think also i have several friends who lost children in childbirth um and my father worked for some time as a chaplain of a hospital and and did so many um baby funerals so there had oh, been wow. a lot of exposure to children Dad. dying you know at birth um and yeah and, and the miscarriages too i mean i was all ready to announce our, our pregnancy our three-month pregnancy and our marriage day and the miscarriage happened literally just before the wedding day and we had to pick up the remains after the wedding day and oh, wow. that, that was terrible i mean that really really threw me and it, it was wow. tough myself and my husband really struggled through that together you know because we <laughs> it became apparent we processed emotions differently and it, it was a really tough time yeah you basically had to go through uh grieving right absolutely yeah yeah it was tough so yes jemima has just turned three now <laughs> which is wonderful and um, when I met my husband we I said that's it you know I've left England and and he said right well 
what we're going to do here. So the month after meeting, because we knew immediately that we would stay together. The next month we signed papers on a hotel and we started our Golden Marigold Hotel in his desert town. He's from the middle of the desert. And I was like, come on, universe. I know I said I, love, I want hot, but I didn't mean this hot. And uh, also, there's the sea. I need a little bit of sea as well. But, you yeah. know, Melissa, there's a, there's that saying: um, "Be careful what you wish for." <laughs> and I'd initially I'd said to him, "Yeah, I love I love the hot because you know I'd lived in Greece and all of that. I was like, I'm a sun I'm a sun worshiper until the sun came out there, and I was like, Oh God, get me get me in the AC room." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we set up this hotel and we almost immediately were number one on TripAdvisor. And the hotel, I mean, the building itself was nothing special, but the energy that we brought of, of service from the heart was something that really drew people. And of course, we attracted those kinds of people. And it was just this sort of miracle in the making of, of this quick rise to fame. And, and it just, in fact, this week, um, we've moved premises from a five-bed hotel to a 19-bed hotel. Oh, so, nice. And what's the hotel name? The Golden Marigold. Okay. So we got the hotel at the time that the the best exotic marigold films had come out, which is all yeah. based around um, English people going to, <laughs> to India. So when we were trying to find a name, and we tried all sorts of names. Um, it's a bit of a play on words on that, but it's also, his town is called the Golden City because it has a golden fort. All the buildings are sandstone, so there's this amazing gold everywhere. All the buildings are golden. So the golden and then the marigold, which of course is the, the mandala flower, like the sacred flower of India that's used in all the, the blessings and they put around the neck. and in yeah. rituals so it's it's a it's just the most wonderful name we really love it <laughs> that's amazing yeah good yeah. for you look at you see from uh, teaching to uh, coaching to uh, hotel uh, business it's well that's amazing. it and i forgot to say that when i was then living in the desert with him i mean a year later we did come back to england um, but a year later, we, um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh yes, no, when I was living with him in the desert is when I got my download, literally a download of Leaders of the Heart, which is my business name now. And it took me some time to own that name. In fact, it's been years of, of growing into that name and working out what it really means. Um, but yes, I, I launched then my coaching business with this rebrand of, of Leaders of the Heart when I met him. Um, and yeah, it's just gone from strength to strength. And this month as well, we're just settling on a piece of land and building our very own hotel out in India, which has all been a bit of a miracle as well. There's so many miracles I spend all the time. We, we currently, um, this 9th of April is our sixth year wedding anniversary. It's also... Oh, happy anniversary. <laughs> it's also will be a year that we've moved into our new home here. And this is a miracle because this home we saw about three years before buying it. And we didn't buy it, but we 
I don't believe in regrets, but there was a sense of regretting of not buying it. We just couldn't shake this house from our being and we kept doing the work, you know, let it go, let it go. If it's ours, it will come to us. And we didn't buy it, and but it was sort of in our energy field. We couldn't shake it. And there probably wasn't a month that had gone by that we didn't somehow talk about the house that got away. And then last year in lockdown, we went to a garden centre and there was a lady looking at flowers and Jemima started going up giving her flowers, giving her flowers and we got talking saying that we were thinking of investing in a new property and, and we were looking in the area and she said, oh well I've, I don't live here anymore but I've come up overnight because I need to quickly sell my house. And I said, oh right, <laughs> where is your house? And it was the house and we did a private sale. <laughs> What's the chance of that? <laughs> yeah. So, yes, it's all these incredible, incredible, incredible miracles. Wow, it sounds like, um, honestly, your story is like everything was always puzzled up. Yes. And it was there for a reason and everything had its reasoning of calling. That's it. Yeah, and I think it's a good lesson we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back hello have you heard about deals of flames candles well let me tell you their collection is absolutely amazing their candles is made with crystals and provide a very beautiful fragrance they do have a love candle protection wealth and energy so check out dealsofflames.com and order your candle today online because their vision is to make sure you are loved protected wealthy and fueled with positive energies in all levels of your life let's face it candles are a universal symbol of light warmth and hope so don't forget, order your candle today. And we are back with Melissa's story. Yeah, so I think the biggest learning across all of these things are about always trusting the timing of the divine so you know the accident it, it was horrific but yet it catapulted me into the new and I couldn't have planned for that and I couldn't have even dreamt of the miracles that happened and the things that manifested but again it's that divine timing with the house you could you know it's it's the house that got away except it didn't it came at the perfect time because then we were able to start a property portfolio because we could rent out the place that we did buy and if we'd done it the other way around it never would have worked out it's the same with um my three years to come back to where i started about the three years in Greece, you know, living it up, dancing on the bars from 18 to 21 years old and my family despairing that, you know, you're losing your life to this to this sort of um, free lifestyle. But that was what led me to study linguistics. I became fascinated by sound. And something I haven't mentioned was that 
in addition to my coaching job, I'm also a senior lecturer at university and I now teach about sounds in talk. I have done for 20 years. I did a PhD on sounds in talk and I've taught for 20 years in universities about sounds and talk about phonetics and so again it's that divine timing that hey I had to have those years because I started to get even more fascinated about wow you you move your tongue like that when you say that sound you say David and I say David you know my tongue's further back and this is what I've been teaching in academia now for 20 odd years (laughs) so again divine timing that what seems inconsequential or wasting your life is actually all part of the incredible journey to take you to greatness yeah i truly believe it's like um kind of like rebuilding you for what's to come or making you ready for what's to come that's it the problem is as human being we become very impatient and then we become very emotional because we want things right now and that's where frustration kicks in and that's where we start questioning um you know where to or why or right absolutely i mean just to sort of finish one of the things i haven't mentioned is um myself and my husband were in the middle of the massive nepali earthquake that killed 10,000 people back in 2015 it's coming up the anniversary of it actually this month and we were literally in the middle of it it went on for two minutes 51 seconds and we were separated at the time my husband was having a chai down the road and I was having a fancy cappuccino in the in the garden of the hotel and he actually ran through that earthquake to die in my arms oh my god it was it was horrific it was beyond words the the number one hotel in the lonely planet was at the end of our road and that came down with everybody inside of it dead it was just beyond words and that when you talk about what you were saying before about the and all of those things the earthquake taught me so many things you know, just to see that absolute devastation and loss of life all around, like you cannot begin to comprehend, was just incredibly grounding in a sense of of being grateful for every breath and every moment and every waking hour that you see that this life is, is such a gift. I mean, it was another near death, my third near death experience. Um, um but yes it it really gives you that sense of perspective that life is very precious i know we all know it but how just in the in the blink of an eye everything can change you know when the earthquake started the first the first indication before the ground started rolling like a stormy ocean was this intense sound that was coming from the core of the earth like you can only describe as like if you imagine a bear the size of a house making some kind of growling sound it was it was like that 
But I remember looking towards the ground and my head telling me, oh, they must be filling some kind of um, water tank or something down in the basement. <laughs> and I kind of rationalised it like that in my head. And it was almost like my head went, oh, that's weird, but okay. And then it was moments after that the ground, it didn't shake, it just started rolling like a really stormy ocean. Um, wow. Yeah, so that that was that was huge, and you know I went down to the ruins. We were just down the road from Derba Square, which is where all the really ancient buildings were, and a and a huge tower. And you know, I've got stories I've shared elsewhere about really rising up as a leader in in those moments. And you know, no no one had anything. The Nepalis, that there, there was nothing. It was literally like. A, a pickaxe or a spade no, no one had anything to do anything with there was no rescue operation for ages nothing could happen no one had any tools and it was horrific just to see piles of rubble and you can't search for anybody um and standing on top of the tower of this rubble there was 263 people underneath this rubble and i i felt so helpless and i felt I can't do anything, but I felt I needed to try and do something. And in that moment, I threw my hands up in the air and I said, who here has hands? And <laughs> I really had to get over myself of like, who am I to do that? You know, I don't know how to do this. And and all of that, I had to just like clear. I remember parting the curtains in my head of my limiting beliefs and just flinging my hands up in the air going, who here has hands? And slowly, some people started to raise their hands too and a small crowd of us then started to try and move some of this rubble um, and it was littered in thousands of flip-flops just everywhere and just slowly moving some stones trying to find people and we didn't find anybody but I feel proud to my core to this day that we did our best I know that we did our best in that situation and yes I would have loved to have found somebody and, and saved a life we didn't but we did what we could and so my my heart is you know in peace at peace with that yeah for sure I mean the fact that you know let's face it you're going through a shock yourself yeah. but yet oh, you're yeah. you're trying to snap out of it and still be in that present moment and uh try to help others not everyone um can do that right because the yeah. state of mind when it goes into a shock it's either you sit there and cry and yeah. uh, hysterically go nuts or you actually don't have time for that and you pick up the pieces and start okay this is what we're gonna do yeah. and then the funny thing is um because you don't give yourself that emotional time the emotions come afterwards yes right yeah yeah wow but um it's like amazing <clears throat> how um you went through so much and each one of them it's like um to show you a lesson, a message, and to be like where you're at right now, sharing um, your experience, sharing to the world, you know, yeah. what things could happen and, and how you it. overcome it. I mean, that's what I strongly believe in is, you know, we can either sit and lick our wounds or we can take the learning and the growth 
and I strongly believe in that about rising up you know being being real about the impact being present with the pain but also rising up with the learning from that and and growing from the experience in some way amazing now melissa is there a special message you would like to share with our listeners yeah follow your heart and trust in the divine <laughs> You know, that's been my journey that we we can be pulled around by our external influences on our life and the, the things that people think we should do. You know, my family were throwing their arms up in despair. Around, I'm going off to India and I've got this one way ticket. And part of it they loved, you know, my dad was like, I love that you follow your North Star. But also I think they were thinking, oh God, not again, you know, like, come on, like live a proper life, live a, live a, live a safe life. And I think, you know, it's easy to think that the safe life is living in the box that society thinks you should live in. But actually, that's an unsafe life because you end up feeling unfulfilled, which ends up destroying your sense of self-worth. And then you end up in a really bad mess. So the the true life, the fulfilling life, the the adventurous life of really tuning into your heart and soul and and really allowing, asking for the divine to lead the way and, and trusting that and keeping that process of trusting, allowing, receiving, moving forwards with that aligned action with what you're being called and really trusting yourself in that, that absolute self-belief and knowing that life is guiding me where I need to be. It's, it's allowing me to think what I need to think. It's guiding my feet. So I always pray about, you know, guide my thoughts, guide my, my actions, guide my feet to where I need to be. And I think living like that in, in the divinely guided way is one that you can be sure that you will find that fulfillment because it's aligning with your soul. It's creating, I always like to talk about soul-led success. So it's about creating that fulfillment by living in that aligned way with your soul, with your soul purpose, with the reason that you were born. And we were all born for a reason. I believe we all have a special gift and it's allowing ourselves to really tune into that for ourselves and trust that so that we can birth it and really live with that freedom and fulfillment that comes from really living aligned to who you were born to be. Wow, that's powerful. That's like, um, you know, uh, like a, a punch. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, a punch in a good way. <laughs> a positive punch. Yes, yes, a punch okay, in a good yeah. way. <laughs> well, um, Melissa, I would like to thank you for sharing your inspirational story with us today. And for thank all you. the listeners out there, a big thank you and keep tuning in for our next episode. Namaste. Namaste.